mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, now that autumn is officially here, flu season can't be that far behind. With ongoing COVID concerns adding to the urgency of being up to date on your seasonal vaccinations. Also this morning, it's one of the most confusing and most debated questions for new parents. When is my infant ready for the transition to solid food? And how best to introduce new foods to baby's diet? We'll get a preview of all of the area high school football action as the second half of the season kicks off. And it's another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, September 23rd, 2022. Hey, this is kind of cool. It is National Great American Pot Pie Day. (laughs) And today's perfect weather for that, too. It's a little chilly this morning getting your day started. It's almost like Mother Nature knew exactly uh, when autumn started because yesterday it was uh, actually pretty nice. It it started off uh, rather warm and all of that, and then... Uh, autumn, the autumnal equinox was, what was it again? 904. And just about that time it turned It suddenly got chilly and, uh, we're in the mid forties to start your morning. So jacket weather this morning, uh, I noticed, uh, when I let the dog out this morning after I, uh, after I rolled out of bed, uh, I opened the door to let the dog out and was hit with this blast of, <laughs> of chilly air. I was like, ooh, get me a jacket. So a good day for a nice stick-to-your-ribs pot pie. National Great American Pot Pie Day. Uh, it is National Snack Stick Day. Restless Leg Awareness Day. The International Day of Sign Languages. Native American Day, and it is Love Note Day today. So reasons to celebrate if you need one today. So no big surprise here, I would imagine. You remember uh, several weeks ago, we were talking about this experiment in the UK in which more than 70 organizations agreed to test out a four-day work week. And apparently, the early results are that it's going swimmingly. As the British would say, it's going swimmingly. According to the community that helped launch it, uh, nonprofit four-day workweek global is issuing, this is an organization, uh, uh, four-day workweek global, uh, issued their findings at the halfway point of the pilot program that began in June And uh, the reviews find a general tenor of positive experiences. Long story short, the companies are liking it, and so are the employees. Not a big surprise that the employees like a four-day work week, but apparently the companies are very satisfied as well. Uh, The program is also being tracked by researchers at Cambridge University at Boston College and Oxford. Uh, Saw more than 3,000 employees... Uh, transition to a four-day work week instead of the traditional five. And they're getting paid the same. They're just working one day less per week. And uh, 88% of respondents stated that the four-day work week program is working well 
for their business thus far. 46% actually say that productivity has not suffered. Further, 34% say productivity has improved slightly. 15% say company productivity improved significantly. So that is pretty substantial. I mean, that's 49% of companies say that productivity has improved at least slightly. 46% saying productivity has not suffered at all. It's the same. So that leaves only, what, 4 or 5% that are seeing a downturn in worker productivity. So that's, uh, that's pretty substantial. 29% of the companies reported the transition to a four-day work week has been extremely smooth. Uh, 86% of the respondents say that they would be extremely likely, likely or extremely likely, to keep up the four-day schedule even after the pilot program ends. And that was the, uh, the big question going in is, would it work and would companies stick with the four-day program after the pilot program ends? It appears that uh, likely to be the case. Um, productivity has remained high with an increase in wellness for the team, along with our business performing 44% better financially. According to Joe O'Connor, the CEO of four day work week global. Uh, he said the early results will inform the process for many more businesses to adapt and reap uh, to try adapt and reap the benefits of emphasizing productivity over time, thereby thereby transforming the world of work for all of us. So there you go. It's apparently is going swimmingly. An idea. That's what you want to hear on a Friday morning, right? When did, here's the thing, uh, and I wonder what day a week are they getting off? Are they not going in on Monday? Are they skipping Friday? Are they uh, canceling a workday in the middle of the week? How is this working? I don't know. And I believe that it is up to the individual companies. I believe that they have the option of deciding what the work days are. And I also wonder if they are staggering the work week so that they actually have people there Monday through Friday, but not everybody works Monday through Friday. Some people go Monday through Thursday. Some people go Tuesday through Friday. Some people may take a Wednesday off or whatever. Uh, but the business is still operating five days a week. And I, I wonder how often uh, that happens. But anyway, uh, bottom line is it's, it seems to be working. So there you go. Um, here is a, a story from the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Some companies make it a policy to spy on their staff, measuring keystrokes and mouse clicks to judge productivity. The CEO of Microsoft calls it productivity paranoia and says it has gotten out of control with the growth of the work at home trend, which is removed employees from personal supervision by managers. They can't hover over you to make sure that you're working. So they're turning to electronic monitoring uh, alternatives. Microsoft conducted a global poll that found 87% of employees think that they are working effectively, while 85% of managers believe that their workers are not being productive. So isn't that interesting? 
a complete mirror image. 87% of employee, employees believe that they are effective and productive at home. 85% of managers believe just the opposite. So kind of interesting. Um, so I don't know that, it, like I said, it's kind of the opposite of the story about the four-day work week and the productivity and so on. But uh, anyway, some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your... Friday morning started. So, yeah, we mentioned it is kind of cool. It is definitely transitioning into fall. And the cost of keeping our homes warm this winter is expected to increase. That is not a surprise. But we have the number. 17.2% is the anticipated increase in home heating cost this winter. 17.2%. Energy production only recently returning to normal after... Uh, COVID-19, according to experts, and then a very uh, very hot summer caused a surge in demand for air conditioning. So it's the old formula, low supply plus high demand equals higher prices. And that's where we are as we are heading into the uh, home heating season. So 17.2% more to heat your home this winter than what it cost last year. I mention it just so you can prepare yourself now. Uh, you know, this time of year is big candle season. People light those uh, candles at home, uh, fragrant candles. It's very, it's a very warm and fuzzy thing to do in the autumn season. Well, Texas Roadhouse is coming out with a candle inspired by its honey cinnamon butter. You go to Texas Roadhouse, you gotta have the rolls with the honey cinnamon butter. And the restaurant chain tweeted... That pre-orders begin today for the honey cinnamon butter candle from Texas Roadhouse. Mmm, that'd make your home smell good, right? Twelve bucks, a veritable bargain, twelve bucks. The uh, company has perfected the scent of the delicious honey cinnamon butter you enjoy on your fresh 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 baked bread and put it in candle form. So, pre-order beginning today. And how about this? Uh, An interesting story that makes you think twice about maybe your perceptions and how what you think you know about other people may not always be accurate. A new survey uh, asked people of various religious faiths if they would be willing to serve in the military. This is really interesting. I saw this actually, uh, this was under the category of religion on the uh, Newswire this morning. A survey asked various individuals of various faiths how willing that they would be to serve in the military. Um, the 2022 poll done by the Institute for Social Policy and Understanding between February and March in questioning over 2,100 adults, um, they found that Muslim Americans are just as, if not more, willing to serve in the military as any other demographic. And again, this might be a surprise. And if that is a surprise to you, as it was to me, my first thought when I saw that, and I was like, oh, that's a surprise. And then I thought, 
Why is that a surprise? Uh, it it kind of makes you think about your own preconceived notions uh, or your your own personal biases. Anyway, um, eight hundred in the poll, uh, eight hundred of the survey respondents uh, identified themselves as Muslim. Three hundred, nearly three hundred, as Jewish, and the remaining one thousand or so um, within the general population. About 11% of Muslims said that they would serve uh, compared to only 10% of Catholics and 10% of Protestants and 9% of non-religious participants in the survey. So Muslims just as likely, if not more likely in many cases, to be willing to serve in the military as the rest of us. Something to think about. Again, kind of maybe enlightens you, opens your eyes. Some of the preconceived notions we have about uh, individuals and their religions. Anyway, there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Sunny skies and high in the mid-60s expected today. Skies will be partly cloudy tonight, a low around 50. We'll have your full forecast in moments. Oktoberfest Finley will be happening on Saturday on South Main Street in downtown. It is a family-friendly event. There's something for all ages. There's something for all tastes as well. Sarah Susser is executive director of the Hancock Historical Museum, which benefits from the proceeds of Oktoberfest. As she mentioned, Oktoberfest is a family-friendly event celebrating German heritage in Hancock County with live music, polka dancing, contests, children's activities, German food, and a large selection of beer and wine. All the fun will be had from 2 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. on Saturday. Get more on Oktoberfest and see the full rundown of events on the website. People who have food assistance benefits can now use them at the Hancock County Farmer's Market in Finley. Taylor Coote, Community Impact Director for the United Way of Hancock County, explains how it works. We'll have a welcome tent that people can visit so they can come bring their card and swipe their card and get tokens in exchange that they can take to the vendors. The vendors have all been trained on how to, how to receive these and they're all very excited about this program. The Hancock County Farmer's Market continues through the end of October on Thursdays in the parking lot of the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. The Associated Press is reporting that a congressional candidate in Northwest Ohio has misrepresented his military record. Republican J.R. Majewski has presented himself as an Air Force combat veteran who deployed to Afghanistan after 9-11. But military documents obtained by AP indicate Majewski never deployed to Afghanistan, but instead completed a six-month stint helping to load planes at an airbase in Qatar, a U.S. ally that is a safe distance from the fighting. Majewski is challenging longtime Democratic Congresswoman Marcy Kaptur. Dave James, Owen News. The midterm election is on November 8th, and the deadline to register to vote in that election is coming up on October 11th. Liberty Benton High School has announced their 2022 homecoming court. You can see a picture of the court and their names on the website. Liberty Benton's homecoming football game will be held tonight and the homecoming dance on Saturday night. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Okay, so now that autumn is officially here, flu season can't be far behind. And of course, given that COVID-19 is still a thing, 
that will once again add to the urgency of being up to date with your routine vaccinations this time of year. Joining us this morning is the Vice President of Pharmacy Practice Innovation and Advocacy for CVS Health, Sandra Leal. And uh, Sandra, I know you uh, get this question every year. You're probably tired of hearing it year after year, but I'm going to ask anyway, why is it so important to get a flu shot each and every year? No, it's a great question, and it's very important to get your flu vaccine every year because we want to make sure it's protecting you and your family from getting the flu. And we know that the flu uh, changes with uh, variants, with strains year to year, so we want you to be updated with the latest vaccine to provide the optimal protection uh, for you. And, you know, it takes about two weeks for the body to build up the protection against the flu after getting the flu shot, so we definitely recommend getting it early in the fall ideally by the end of October. Now, like we said, too, COVID is still a concern. There are advisories for people to get that booster as well. If memory serves, there was talk of combining COVID boosters with the annual flu vaccine into a single shot. Do we do we have such a thing now, or are we still talking about two separate injections? So at the moment, we are still talking about two separate injections, but you can receive them on the same day. But to your point, there has been talk about eventually combining the vaccines okay. in the future, so you don't have to go and get as many injections. But it, right now, we still have the two separate uh, vaccines. Okay, so we want to make sure that we are clear about that. What are some of the side effects, uh, the, the common side effects of the flu vaccine that people should be aware of? You know, the, the side effects can be minor, but you might experience some soreness or redness and swelling right in that area that you receive the vaccine. You might even experience a little bit of a headache or a fatigue from that uh, vaccination. But generally, these are very mild and they tend to resolve rather quickly. Um, some people don't even experience any symptoms at all. Uh, but again, these are very mild and they resolve pretty quickly. Now, when we talk about side effects, uh, we always hear uh, people say, oh, I got the flu shot and then I got the flu. It gave me the flu. And that actually leads to uh, the, the next question, which is about some of the common misperceptions regarding the flu shot. And for that matter, the flu itself. That's right. You know, I think that is the number one myth I hear that the flu shot will give you the flu. But we know that's not possible because the flu vaccine is made with an, an inactivated or killed virus um, or a piece of the virus. So you're not actually getting anything that could cause the flu directly. Now, you know, I think a lot of people might think that they got the flu just because they have those minor side effects we spoke about or they didn't get the vaccine early enough um, to build that full protection. So they might have a mild flu, but not because of the flu shot itself, um, which goes to the second myth, um, which is that you should wait until the flu season peaks to get the vaccine. But truly, you want to get that flu vaccine before uh, the spread in your community just to give your body enough time to build immunity and protect you. So, you know, any, you know, getting the vaccine before the end of October is key. You can start getting it now in September. And the flu tends to last um, all the way up to May sometimes. So the sooner you get it, the better. Now, what are some of the other ways? Obviously, the flu shot, as we've uh, as we've said, is the number one line of defense uh, against uh, the flu. What are some other ways in which we can protect ourselves, our families, uh, our coworkers, and and all of that from the flu virus? Yeah, you know, I think some of the best recommendations are, you know, what we did for COVID, which is to wash your hands throughout the day. 
we tend to touch a lot of things like door handles and surfaces. Um, so it's really important not to spread the virus uh, by washing your hands, especially after you cough or sneeze. And then you just want to avoid touching your mouth, eyes, or nose so you don't have that uh, contamination. Um, just generally, you know, practicing good health habits, getting plenty of sleep and managing your stress, drinking plenty of fluids, all of that will help build your immune system during the flu season. And I would think that the number one thing that I like to recommend is just to limit your contact if you are sick. That's just a very, very key recommendation. You know, try not to spread it to others. If you're sick, try to limit contact and avoid uh, that community spread. Yeah, it is no coincidence that the incidence of flu went down dramatically during the height of uh, COVID when we were taking all, we were redoubling our efforts to uh, not spread COVID. We weren't spreading the flu either. I mean, that is not a happenstance uh, because those are the, as you said, those are the effective measures to pre- uh, prevent both the spread of both of those things. Absolutely. It's very important. I mean, keep practicing those measures, vaccinate for both COVID and flu, I mean, that's really some of the best things you can do from a preventative perspective. Again, uh, Sandra Leal is the Vice President of Pharmacy Practice and Innovation and Advocacy for CVS Health. As we head into uh, flu season with the onset of autumn, Sandra, where do we get more information? Yep, you can go to our CVS Pharmacy uh, or Minute Clinic. We have extensive hours in the evenings and the weekends. Um, but you can also go to our website. We have information at cvs.com, at minuteclinic.com. We also have a CVS app, and we also have the ability to text. You can text the word flu to 287-898. That way you can schedule a vaccine in one of our 9,000 locations, but you can also have the ability to ask questions, come and see the pharmacist, for other healthcare needs or, or walk into our minute clinic. Oh, and, and and by the way, real quickly, no shortage of flu vaccine this year. I know in some, some years past, there have been concerns about shortages and, and that kind of thing. No concerns uh, about that at all this year? No, not at all. So okay. we are having plenty of supply for that flu vaccine. All right. So uh, now is the time to get on that. Sandra, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Well, as every parent knows, children achieve so many milestones in those first couple of years, and everyone seems to have an opinion on when they should be reaching each one of them. One of the most hotly debated of all being, when is my child ready for solid foods, and what is best for baby when it comes to nutrition? Well, joining us this morning is Dr. Whitney Caceres, pediatrician, author, podcast host, and mom herself, Dr. Cazares, what say you? When should parents start to transition their children to solid foods? Well, thank you so much for having me. And when it comes to solid foods, most babies start at about four to six months. As a pediatrician, I don't recommend that babies start prior to four months. But in that four to six month window, there's a lot of variability because every single baby is unique. So I tell parents the things you're looking for physically are going to be that the baby has good head and neck control, they can sit supported, and they can swallow the food as opposed to pushing it out over their chin. So uh, that's the time frame then. What type of foods do you recommend for to, to introduce first for uh, for a baby? 
Yeah, well, you want to set yourself up for success. So before we even get into the foods, what I suggest is that parents make sure that their baby is not angry as they're starting out, right? A little bit of <laughs> breast milk or formula in the belly can help them to be content and happy as they're starting on this journey. Okay. And then purees and iron-fortified cereals are a great way to start out. You can actually mix them with the breast milk or formula. And the iron-fortified cereals are especially important for those breastfed babies because those babies need iron as they are starting out on their journey. At about six months of age, they need it in their diet. The other things I tell parents, make sure that your baby is seated when you're feeding them. Make sure you're closely supervising and definitely don't give them any choking hazards. So no grapes, no tomatoes that are cherry tomatoes, no nuts, no raw vegetables. Everything needs to be really soft and the texture needs to be just right. So you're kind of touching on this. Uh, my next question is going to be, how do we acclimate uh, baby to these new foods? Because uh, again, it's going to be it's going to be something new for them. They uh, are going to have to uh, adjust and acclimate. So how best to do that? Yeah, so probably the number one piece of advice that I could give is do not give up if at first you don't succeed, right? So you're going to be offering these foods for the taste and for the texture, not necessarily because, and in fact, definitely not because it's going to replace formula or breast milk. So when you offer a food, if they make that kind of yuck face that my babies gave, you know, don't worry at all. Just keep on trying again and again. It can take multiple times before it actually feels like it's quote unquote successful. The other thing that parents can do to help acclimate is actually to give a huge variety of foods. We want kids to be fed the rainbow. So fruits and vegetables and whole grains and meats proteins and healthy fats are also really important. And it can be that you're acclimating them using that technique of adding in a little bit of the breast milk or formula to purees or to the iron fortified cereals. That's a really convenient, easy, safe way to do it. Other parents sometimes will add in chunks of food that are really soft, but can be easily grabbed and put inside the mouth. Most important for that is just that you're making sure there aren't any hard bits and you're watching really closely for any choking hazards. You know, again, you were touching on this a little bit earlier. One of the other things that I uh, wanted to ask and, and make sure that we talk about is, um, you know, do we let the baby kind of take the lead on when they're ready and, and how do we tell or do we you know, just dive right in and start, you know, spoon feeding to the, uh, to the child when we think they're ready. Yeah. So babies usually will let you know that they are ready. They will start to look really interested in food. Sometimes they'll even drool when they're looking at the food. So mm -hmm. I'm always a huge fan of baby led feeding. And I actually like that term a lot better than baby led weaning, which has become a really popular term or just this idea of only spoon feeding because it takes on the best aspects of both of these practices. The most important thing is that parents are paying attention to the developmental stage of their baby and that the textures are in great alignment with that developmental stage. So we want a lot of variety and we want the texture to be that which they won't choke on and that they'll be able to easily handle. And then you uh, you were talking about uh, you know feeding the rainbow, and we want to introduce a wide variety uh, of foods within certain reasons. As again earlier, you were talking about some things that you, that you want to avoid. So let's kind of talk a little bit about that real quickly. Uh, what are some of the things 
to uh, introduce, not introduce, uh, and and what happens when uh, a baby kind of rejects uh, one thing? They don't like plums, but they do like bananas. Uh, do we keep trying? At what time? You know, what time do we give up? Or you know, so I would say there's hardly ever a time to give up. I mean, I've seen babies take even thirty times to decide if they like <laughs> a new food. My babies, for example, had avocado as their first food, and they hated it at first. But then they came around to it, and now they love avocado. The one food that I always want to make sure that we are avoiding is honey until one year of age for babies. Okay. And babies also don't need cow's milk, like a glass of cow's milk or a bottle of cow's milk until they reach one year of age as well. So that's not something that I would give a baby. But otherwise, there really is so much leeway in terms of what the different foods are that you can offer. And a lot of times parents, I feel like, have so many questions because it's so stress-inducing to feed a baby. So I tell parents, when you are feeding your baby, try your best to relax and create an environment that's going to make it so that you are going to enjoy this as much as possible. Don't make it on a weekday morning when you're going to be rushing out the door. Make it on a weekend. Don't be worried about the mess. Really understand that this is part of it, to have it be messy and there's going to be some cleanup. Focus on the idea of bonding and creating memories with your child. And then if you get stuck, reach out to experts. Your pediatrician is a great source of advice. Gerber.com is also one of my favorite places to go. They have the My Gerber Experts, which is a whole team of lactation specialists, of registered dietitian nutritionists, even of sleep consultants there to answer your questions 24-7. And then the Gerber Learning Center, which is also available to answer questions at every stage and every step along the way, not just of your feeding journey, but also your parenting journey as well. So there you go. All, all of those important questions about feeding your baby answer. Dr. Whitney Caceres, again, pediatrician, author, podcast host, and mom herself. Mention again the uh, website where folks can get to all of those uh, resources to help them along the way. The easiest place to go is simply Gerber.com. It's the name that we all know. Dr. Caceres, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> I'm John Marshall with this high school football preview. In the Blanchard Valley Conference this week, Macomb hosts Riverdale. It's Pandora Gilboa going to Van Lu. Arcadia travels to Arlington. Non-Conference North Baltimore visits Corey Rawson, two teams that will both be in the Northwest Central Conference beginning next season. And on WKXA tonight, it will be Van Buren at Liberty Benton. Van Buren coach... Chris Henry. They've got a lot of athletes that they can spread the ball around quite a bit. Key to the game for us, just win one play at a time. In the Three Rivers Athletic Conference, it's St. Francis at Clay. Whitmer goes to St. John's, and Toledo Central Catholic visits Lima Senior. The Finley Trojans are playing Fremont Ross for the 100th time. The 1-4 Trojans face the Fremont Ross Little Giants at 5-0, but when it comes to this rivalry, you just throw the records out the window. Finley Trojan coach Stefan Adams. You'll be able to say one day we played in the 100th game with Finley and Fremont. It's a rivalry game already, but it even adds more of that significance of this history that you're a part of something pretty special. You can hear the 100th meeting of Fremont, Ross, and Findlay on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. In the Western Buckeye League, it's St. Mary's at Shawnee. Elida at 4-1 is in defiance to face the Bulldogs. 0-5 Bath heads to 3-2 Salina. Wapak at 4-1 is in Hardin County to meet 1-4 Kenton. 
Van Wert at 4-1 goes to Ottawa Glendorf as the Titans sit at 1-4. You can hear that game on 106.3 The Fox. Games of local interest in the Northern 10 Conference, it's Buckeye Central at Upper Sandusky, and in a battle of 5-0 teams, it's Cary at Colonel Crawford. In the Northwest Conference, Bluffton goes to Crestview in a matchup of three and two teams. Delphus Jefferson is at Ada, and Lipsick heads down State Route 65 to Climber Stadium to meet Columbus Grove, both at three and two. Games of note in the Northwest Central Conference, three and two Hardin Northern goes to rural Marion County to meet two and three Elgin, and Upper Scioto Valley at three and two visits 0 and five Perry. Once again tonight, it's Van Buren at Liberty Benton on 100.5. Finley on the road at Fremont Ross on WFIN, and Ottawa Glandorf is at home with Van Word that game on 106.3 The Fox. With his high school football preview, I'm John Marshall, WFIN Sports. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. The story of Max from Austin, Texas. I don't have Max's last name. It's kind of a bad news, good news, crazy news kind of story. The bad news, Max recently had his car stolen. The good news is police returned the vehicle. They found it, returned it. Uh, the crazy news, when Max got his car back, it was filled with expensive merchandise that he didn't buy. <laughs> it's filled. Max, who uh, posted about this on TikTok, uh, showed some of the items that he found in his car when he got it back from police. Uh, he found an electric scooter, uh, a variety of expensive perfumes, uh, an electric shaver, a set of binoculars, a radar detector, and a machete. He said, none of these are mine. Um, Some of the uh, commenters, he shared this on uh, TikTok, and some people commented that he should keep the uh, merchandise, but Max, being the honest person that he is, informed the police uh, and said, hey, you know, thank you for bringing my car back, but you missed some stuff. Here, I'm guessing the police figured that it was his stuff, uh, but he said, no, this is not mine. Police now are trying to determine if those items were also stolen by the same person who stole the car. <laughs> say that's a pretty good guess. <laughs> you would think that the police would have at least asked, hey, is all of this stuff yours? You know, and they <laughs> recovered the car. But uh, anyway, they'll get to the bottom of it, I'm sure. It's crazy. Um... This is a a crazy theft in Detroit. Employees of a uh, local restaurant arrived at work to find someone had smashed their way into the business in the wee hours of the morning. This actually happened yesterday. The only thing missing, though, the only thing missing, they, you know, searched the place to inventory, you know, whatever had been stolen for the police and for insurance purposes. The only thing that they could find missing was a cash register. And the cash register was, of course, empty because they empty the cash register at night. Someone broke in and stole an empty cash register. That's it. 
The uh, glass on one of the doors was broken out to gain entry. Repairs will likely cost thousands of dollars. The restaurant did open as usual, but they were only doing carryout orders while crews cleaned up the business. Detroit police are investigating. The only thing that was missing was an empty cash register. Well, those thieves are in for a surprise when they... (laughs) Well, that seems hardly worth it. Uh, So this is... um, If you're bored this weekend, you need something to do, maybe you can challenge these guys for this uh, new world record. The child's game of hopscotch has led to a new world record being set in Colorado. A team of three hoppers completed a course measuring 4.37 miles <laughs> at Chatfield State Park, south of Denver. This was last weekend. A representative of the Guinness World Records verified the group had set a new mark, the uh, largest hopscotch uh, course. Uh, beating a 4.2-mile hopscotch course done in Atlanta. Organizers say it took under just under three hours to complete the uh, course in Colorado. 4.37 miles. It's... I saw that story and I thought, now there's uh, somebody with far too much free time on their hands. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> just way too much free time. <laughs> Four-mile hopscotch game, all right? Um, is a a crazy story out of the UK woman was leaving a rest restaurant in Fishguard in the UK when a bystander noticed she appeared to be intoxicated. She was getting behind the wheel. So this uh, bystander, this witness called police, police went to the woman's home where they found her, uh, they, they found her at at home. Her car was uh, in the driveway. And uh, she had quite a story. The officers entered the property and were immediately hit with the smell of alcohol. She asked the police if they had any proof that she had been (laughs) that she had been drinking and driving. Um, And uh, when they asked, well, how did you get home from the bar? Uh, Clearly, you're intoxicated. She explained that her dog drove her home. She explained that her dog had driven her home. Uh, Fortunately, no one injured during the incident. Uh, Prosecutor Hannah George says not only will she be uh, prosecuted for intoxicated driving, she will not be allowed to drive for three years. (laughs) I don't know how long her dog is suspended from driving. That's what I really want to know. Uh, let's see here. Here's another story out of uh, Colorado. This is uh, kind of weird. And everybody has had this happen where you've ordered something online. And when the item arrived, it wasn't the right item. It wasn't what you had ordered or, you know, something like that. Don Thompson wanted to repair his damaged screen door. So he, uh, had ordered some screen mesh, right? From Amazon, Uh, But when the package showed up, it wasn't screen mesh. It was a 20-gauge shotgun. (laughs) Imagine one surprise. You order, you know, just some screen mesh, and you get a shotgun. The 78-year-old reached out to police, whose preliminary investigation revealed that the shotgun was not only 
delivered to the wrong address, it was stolen. They traced it and it was stolen. Now, Amazon does not sell firearms, but the tracking number that uh, Mr. Thompson received for his order did match the one on the box containing the shotgun. Uh, so police and Amazon both investigating uh, and uh, Amazon credited Mr. Thompson for both the cost of the mesh and an additional $250 for his troubles. <laughs> That's a bit of a surprise. And how about this story? Just a crazy story out of South Carolina where police are investigating the death of an employee at a retail store who was who passed away at work and wasn't discovered for four days. 63-year-old Bessie Durham was working at the store when she was seen on security camera. She can be seen on security camera uh, going into the bathroom of the store with a cleaning cart. She's the store's cleaning lady, so she's going into the bathroom to clean the bathrooms, and uh, she never came out. But... Her apparently she died and natural causes. There are no no foul play uh, involved. Um, no signs of drug use or anything like that. An autopsy is being done to determine the exact cause of death. Uh, but preliminarily, they believe it's uh, natural causes. What's crazy is that her body wasn't discovered. This happened on Thursday morning. Her body wasn't discovered until Monday night, despite the fact that the store was open all four days. Is nobody went into the bathroom. Um, police are investigating to see if anyone was uh, negligent in the whole thing, but it's just the only reason they found her, apparently the only reason they found her when they did was uh, when the family became concerned, they hadn't heard from, from her. And so uh, they called the store to find out if she was at work. And uh, that's when that kind of set the ball rolling on the, on the whole thing. Isn't that crazy? That is wild. Uh, there you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. This update in the odd and unusual side of the news, which certainly is that, uh, brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is Ed Vlance with OSU Extension. It's planning season. Drivers will be sharing roads with tractors and farm machinery. Be alert for slow-moving vehicles, especially on roads of limited visibility. Watch out for equipment pulling in and out of fields. Drivers and farmers, let's work together this spring to keep our roads safe and accident-free. This message from WFIN and 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. You remember earlier this week we talked about the happiest states in America? Well... Here is the opposite of that. Uh, the the uh, folks at the employment site, Zipia, uh, have crunched the numbers, uh, cross-referenced uh, poll data, survey data with uh, hard metrics, um, and they have uh, you know things like they looked at everything from job opportunities to recreation opportunities, the number of people who are leaving various states, uh places that people are relocating to from other states, and they have come up with a list of the most hated states of America. <laughs> the 2022 most hated states of America. And topping the list this year, Illinois. Illinois, the most hated state in the Union. 25% of those in Illinois 
admit that they hate their own state. <laughs> it is also the fastest shrinking state in terms of population, with 0.54% uh, of its population leaving. Uh, New Jersey ranked second on the list of the most hated states in America. 10% of those in the Garden State say they hate it there. They have seen a three-tenths of 1% population loss of late, according to Zipia's data. New York came in third on the list, although more residents there hate it more than New Jerseyans dislike their state. 12% of New Yorkers hate it in New York. High crime and cost of living led to a sky-high 0.45% of its population leaving. West Virginia was fourth on the list of most hated states, uh, which is kind of interesting. I, West Virginia wouldn't have necessarily guessed that. But look at this. They had a three-quarter percent drop in uh, their population. And uh, most West Virginians who are leaving are going to Virginia and Ohio, interestingly enough, for their new start. California was number five. You know, it, it is interesting that, uh, again, it goes back to West Virginia being a bit of an outlier. I mean, when you think of the most hated states and sort of the stereotype, Illinois, New Jersey, New York, California, uh, but West Virginia in there. Uh, among the top five was the uh, surprise. Fifth was California. Um, people leaving for what critics see as their soft on crime policies and high taxes and so on. So that was uh, there. Now, uh, let's see here. Oh, by the way, uh, according to the survey, California also had the dubious honor of being hated by the most other states. <laughs> nine states, people in nine states pointed to California as the state they hate the most, which is most of any uh, state being hated by those in other states, if that makes sense. Now, they also looked into which states were hated the least. And so this is an interesting uh, list as well. Uh, let's see here. Colorado ranked number one on the state uh, among the states that were hated the least, Colorado, number one, on the least hated states, number 50 on the uh, most hated states list. Uh, maybe it's the incredible uh, scenery in Colorado. It's just absolutely lovely out there. Uh, maybe it's because they are so lax with their marijuana legislation. <laughs> They're just very laid back and everybody loves Colorado. Uh, nobody seems to have a problem with it. Nobody named Colorado as the state that they hate the most. Nobody. So that is uh, quite impressive there. Uh, Utah, Montana, Idaho, and Minnesota round out the top five of the least hated states. Now, you may be asking, where does Ohio rank on this? I was a bit surprised. Ohio is ranked number 12 among the most hated states. Not quite in the top 10, but close. Uh, Ohio 12th most hated states. What did we ever do to people? Ohio, the 12th most hated state. Uh, but this will make you feel better. Michigan, the number seven <laughs> most hated state. Oh. 
Once again, my wife Kyra has joined us in the studio, as is tradition to wrap up the week. It is time for another collection of yummy and easy to make recipes from Kyra's kitchen. <laughs> What's, what's that? I don't know. What's that all about? Um, we have kind of an Italian theme yeah, sort uh, of. going yeah. on today yep. here. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of fun. But this is, again, good stick to your ribs kind of stuff yep. for the for the autumn season. Yeah. Ravioli is always good. Yeah. Ravioli bake yes. is the uh, main dish here. Yes. Love ravioli. So three tablespoons of butter, three cloves of garlic minced, two tablespoons of all-purpose flour, one tablespoon of tomato paste, a quarter or a half a teaspoon of onion powder, a half a teaspoon of dried basil, half a teaspoon of mustard powder, uh, three-fourths cup of chicken broth, one and a half cups of half and half, 10-ounce can of your Rotel tomatoes with green chilies, three tablespoons of cream cheese softened, and a cup of cheddar cheese, and your refrigerated ravioli. So 20-ounce okay. of refrigerated ravioli. Or you can use the frozen. I use the frozen. Okay. So preheat your oven to 350 degrees. Prepare a 9 by 13 inch baking dish with your cooking spray. Melt the butter in a large uh, a large skillet. Add the garlic and cook for about two minutes. Um, whisk in the, the flour and cook uh, for about two more minutes. It's going to kind of brown up a little bit, get a little okay. golden. All right. Um, and then add your tomato paste, your onion powder, your basil, your oregano, and your mustard powder. Uh, stir, stir to combine. Then add your chicken broth in, stirring continuously because it's going to thicken up. It's going to make like right, a right. Um, uh, you a don't want it to scorch gravy. Yeah, and you don't yeah. want it to scorch. So slowly stir in. Then after that, slowly stir in your half and half. Bring to a boil and reduce to simmer. Uh, then stir in your cream cheese and your diced tomatoes. Um, and it's optional if you want to. Um, Save a little bit of your tomato um, juice from your um, uh -huh. from your chopped tomato. Um, you can save that for um, if you want. If the sauce is too thick at the end and you want to make it a little bit thinner, okay. so completely up to you. How you, however you like your sauce. All so, right. Um, then cook your pa pasta according to the package instructions. Drain that. Reduce the heat. Of the, uh, of the sauce to the low, uh, gradually sprinkle in a quarter cup of cheese and um, stir until combined. Add your uh, ravioli uh, with a silicone spatula. Place your ravioli mixture in your prepared dish. Sprinkle with some remaining cheese. Bake for about 20 to 25 minutes. Um, you know, just depends. You want your cheese to be nice and ooey gooey. Mm -hmm. So depending on your oven. Uh, remove from the oven, let cool for about five minutes to kind of, so it's not too runny. Firms it up yeah, a bit. Yeah, firms it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. There you go. I am just so tongue-tied today. <laughs> and and then you're ready to serve. Okay, there you go. The uh, ravioli bake. And yes. then as a side, or this actually, I guess, could be 
uh, could be a meal in itself, oh, I yeah. suppose, yeah. Uh, or a snack. Yeah, or, or yeah what you could make these for a football for game if you wanted to good, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, good tailgate mm-hmm. uh, good thing tailgate. or a yep. uh, quick lunch or, or something like that. Yep. Uh, baked Italian sliders. Yes, so one package of your Hawaiian rolls um, split in half. Um, if you don't like Hawaiian rolls, regular say, rolls, yeah, you could regular use regular dinner rolls yep, would uh, reg- work just yep, fine as you well. You could use those too. So uh, whatever you prefer. Uh, 12 slices of provolone cheese, uh, one eighth cup of red, red onions, thinly sliced, not diced, sliced, um, a quarter cup of are a quarter pound of deli pepperoni, quarter pound of salami, quarter pound of your deli ham, and one teaspoon of Italian seasoning, and a quarter cup of Italian salad dressing. So preheat your oven to 350 degrees. Mm -hmm. Place your rolls in your uh, oven-safe dish, 9 by 9 dish. Um, Layer on your cheese, your onion, your meat on the, so you'll, Put the first half in. Right. The bottom half of the rolls. Bottom half in. Put that then stuff Then put your on. stuff on top. Put then your put goodies the top on half. top. Yep. Then put your top back on. And then uh, brush with your salad dressing. And then sprinkle with your Italian seasoning. Uh-huh. Um, cover mm. with foil. Bake for about 15 minutes or so um, until you think it's heated through and your cheese is melted. Then remove the foil. Uh, and let it cook for about another five minutes or so. Get that that uh, top roll nice and gooey, cr- uh, yummy, crusty. <laughs> okay. You know, All so right. it's not it's not uh, mushy. And then allow to cool for um oh maybe five minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Slice it up and serve. There you go. You've got yeah uh, yeah that would be good for a tailgate. I yeah. think that would be that would be perfect for tailgate dish. Yep. Um or and a football then, party. Football party. Uh, for dessert. We have a Snickers bar pie. Yes. So this is one of my favorites. I love making these. So uh, two large eggs, a half a cup of all-purpose flour, a half a cup of sugar, a half a cup of brown sugar packed, one cup of butter melted and cooled slightly, slightly, three cups of chopped Snicker bars, and that is probably going to be about a package of your mini um, I was going to say, rather yeah. than slicing up a yeah. full-size Snickers bar, yeah, get the mini you ones. You can get the mini ones, and, and then that'll save you, you the hassle. You would of still, having to, well, you'd still want to slice them up a little bit. Still want to slice them up? Yeah, okay. a little bit. There's, All right. Yeah. Well, what about like the Snickers bites? You know, those yeah, you little teeny that. tiny yeah. uh, ones that they have like for yeah. Halloween right now. Mm-hmm. You can get those. Yeah. And uh, they're just the bite, you know, yeah, mini little, like squares. Yeah. You might try that. I don't know. I'd probably still cut it up a little bit. You still think? Okay. I think so. All right. But, I mean, hey, try it. I guess Let it depends know. on how <laughs> yeah. how finely you chop those. Right. Okay. Correct. All right. So then one uh, unbaked pie shell. So then pre your oven to 325 degrees in a large bowl. Beat your eggs until foamy. Uh, this will take about three to five minutes. Uh, beat in your flour, your sugar, your brown sugar, uh, and then all that until it's well blended. Um, blend in your cooled butter, uh, stir in two cups of Snicker bars, pour into your pie shell, bake at 325 degrees for about 45 minutes, then sprinkle your remaining crushed, um, Snicker bars on top, um, and then continue to bake for about another 
30 minutes and then serve warm with uh, whipped cream or ice cream mm. your whip, or your whipped topping, yep. you know, so Good stuff. whatever you like. The ravioli bake, the baked Italian sliders, and the snicker bar pie uh, are this week's recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. We have those posted at the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page, so you can try those different Oh, yeah. Ideas for the yeah, uh, Snickers let me bars. Know. <laughs> and, uh, post what you think at, yeah. the, uh, uh, at the Facebook page. It's at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook. So that's where you find us. We've got that uh, also linked up at goodmornings.net for this week's recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. Check us out online at goodmornings.net. Coming up Monday on the program, nearly everyone with a job will lose a job at one time or another, but that helpless feeling doesn't mean you are helpless. Noted workplace attorney Stephen Mitchell Sack explains what to do if and when you get fired. So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.